My name's Matt Waterworth. I'm Scott Westby. And we are uh, we're back with another very special uh, episode. Um, you know, some we've been thinking about doing a, a new season lately, but uh, but you know, there have been some cool opportunities to speak with some filmmakers, and and uh, we have another one with us today, Mr. Brandon Rhinus. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, um, and congratulations. We're uh, you know we're we're talking we're going to be talking today about your movie Hot Box. Um, we usually like to start these conversations if if the guest has not been on before. Uh, with just sort of the, the, the story of you as a filmmaker where, you know, usually we, we want to begin uh, talking about, you know, how did, how did filmmaking become a part of your life? Where did it all start for you? Um, I've been like, I've been a writer for, you know, since I was a toddler, basically, I've always been writing mm-hmm. stories of some sort. Uh, you know, I got into comic books when I was in elementary school and oh, cool. kind of around high school time, I got into, um, into filmmaking. Remember, I watched uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie Reservoir Dogs, and um, I watched that and Leon the Professional kind of in the same evening, and something just clicked, and I was like, "Hey, I, you know, I write stories; I should make movies." Um, so I ran into a you know a buddy in high school, um, and he kind of had similar interests. So I started volunteering for the um, the local community TV station in Wetaskiwin, where I grew up, and kind of you know in exchange for working there. Um, they let me take out the video equipment and, you know, do stuff with it. So we kind of went out and made these like, you know, really terrible short films and, you know, we're kind of learning as we go. And then I started learning editing and, and then, uh, I never really took it seriously. It was kind of just something I did on the side and, you know, I made a few short films over the years and it was just kind of like a, you know, just like a hobby basically. And, and it wasn't until, you know, probably about six, seven years ago where I decided, yeah, I'm going to do this like for real. What if I gave, if I put all my effort into it, if I could make a career out of it. So I started making comic books first. I would write them and hire artists and, um, you know, put them out there, start selling them, reinvest the money. And next thing you know, I had a little, uh, um, kind of little business going and, you know, I was kind of gaining in popularity. And then I remembered, you know, I used to write screenplays and it had probably been like, you know, eight years or more since I'd actually written one. And I was like, no, you know, now that things are going so well, maybe I should try that again. So I tried it again. I just started writing like crazy, just like cranking out scripts. And, you know, of course I would get better with each one. And before I knew it, you know, I started selling some of them and started getting things produced. And, and then I was like, well, you know, if this is going well, maybe I can try, you know, directing my projects again. And I you know, I never really put effort into it before. And I honestly never made anything really good. Um, but, you know, I started hiring a crew and, you know, just started making stuff and making a lot of stuff. And, and it kind of just started building and building. And, you know, the more the more movies I got out there, the more I got hired to write scripts and and kind of just everything kind of fed into each other. And I started doing bigger and bigger projects. And, you know, I've been doing it uh, like writing screenwriting full time for about, uh, you know, three, three years or so now. Um, That's awesome. So it's, you know, it's I mean, it's insanely hard. There's not, not a lot of people I know that they are able to live off of it full time. I, you know, it's kind of crazy but um yeah we're getting it's getting easier to put money together to to make projects and uh yeah and hotbox is kind of the culmination of everything it's the biggest biggest project i've made so far and i'm happy that it's finally out to the world dude that's That's amazing amazing. yeah that is amazing i'm 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 stunned i think that you know i could count the number of full-time screenwriters on both hands that have (laughs) in alberta um so kudos to you for doing that what uh What's your, what's your secret, man? Like, what do you, what do you say to people who want to become like, I know you're directing and stuff and producing as well, but for someone who might want to be like a full-time screenwriter. 
Um, it's honestly that? like it takes it's a phenomenal amount of work, and I you you have to really want it. Like you might know, hear people that you know they're like a lawyer or something, and then they quit their job to be a screenwriter, and it's like ah, I would I would not do that. You probably make a lot more money as a lawyer. Um, it's kind of if it's if you would rather basically you know I'd rather just be homeless than have to work like some day job I hate. So basically right. it's like, this is like the last resort. It's like, I'm willing to do this. And, you know, you can't, you know, people say, oh, I got writer's block and make excuses. It's like, if you're relying on this for an income, you can't have those. Like you have to write no matter what, like constantly. Um, you know, some people take a year to write a script. It's like, you know, I write a feature or two per month. Like I just have to crank them out just to, you know, be able to keep up with it. Cause, you know, that's not Hollywood. You know, I'm not getting paid a million dollars a script. Um, you know, I just have to work a lot and you never, some things sell and some things don't. And it's, especially when you're writing on spec, right? It's really hard. I'm starting to get a lot of like hired jobs or get hired to write something. So it's guaranteed money. Um, but yeah, but anyone that really wants to do it, like I always tell people, if I can do it, like they can do it. It is possible. Right. It's just, you have to write, you have to get good. Um, especially when you're starting out, like, you know, people don't want to hear it, but you're never really as good as you think you are. Um, even back when I started, you know, I thought I was, you know, like, oh, this is such a great script. It's going to make such a good movie and absolutely no interest in it. Right. And right. now I look back and it's like, man, that was, that was terrible. Like, you know, it, it took me getting better to realize that it wasn't that good. Right. Um, and not only are you in competition with a lot of other great writers, but you're just in competition with like tens of thousands of other wannabe writers. So even when, um, you know, a producer's looking for a script and you pitch something to them, like they're probably just getting bombarded with pitches and it's like, it's just like, it's a numbers game. And um, so it takes just a lot of work. Like I pitch constantly. I have a database of like every script I've sent to every producer, what their response was. And um, so like pretty much every single day, I'm just pitching things to producers, looking for people that are, you know, looking for scripts. Um, and like, I push it constantly. I'm getting my name out there, like absolutely constantly just so when people, you know, think of screenwriting, especially in, you know, Edmonton or Alberta, my name will be one of the people they think of. Um, and it's, you know, just the other day I got, uh, someone, um, just Googled, uh, Edmonton screenwriters. My name came up and he messaged me. This is before the, you know, the whole pandemic thing happened. Um, and he wanted to meet <laughs> up cause, uh, he was a construction guy and he's just looking for someone, he had an idea for a script that he wants to put some money into. Um, and he just kind of Googled screenwriters, found my name, and uh, listened to a podcast I was on and then, you know, hired me to write a script. Um, and that just came from That's my awesome. name just being out there constantly. And, um, you know, you can't just have one script. Like I have dozens, like every genre you could think of. I have, you know, everything from three pages to features. Just so anytime I see on a you know, Facebook group, someone says, uh, I'm looking for a 10 page um, thriller script. It's like, hey, I got that. I pitched the guy, right. I pitched it to the person. Or I'm looking for a feature-length horror that you know that takes place in one house. Hey, guess what? I got that. Um, and I kind of keep my eye out too for anything that's trending. Like if you notice, like female leads thrillers that take place in one house, I notice like a lot of people looking for that. So I'll write one. So every time right. it comes up, I can pitch it. Smart. Um, so smart. You do, yeah, and if you do that enough, you know, eventually it's like, hey, you start making some decent money at it, and it's enough to kind of you know pay the bills and get by. Very cool. Um, do you have an agent, or are you just uh, doing not? Yeah, good for you. That's cool. It's you know, I'm not, I'm not even really trying. If it ever the day comes where, um, I someone reaches out to me and I need one, I'll get it. But for now, it's like we're dealing with mostly indie budget, and even it's you know a lot higher budgets than I, I'm used to. But 
as long as they make me a reasonable offer, it's like, well, I don't really need to negotiate, you know, I'll sign it, take the money, move on to the next thing. And, uh, right. and yeah, this, an agent would just be one other person that probably wouldn't work as hard as I do. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'll wait till it's necessity. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's just good advice. I think, uh, you know, I've heard that if you're, if you're a writer looking for an agent, um, you want to have exactly what you're doing, right. A, a wide, vast collection of different scripts, different stories, different genres, um, different formats. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, but you don't even need that person sometimes. Yeah. And it's always, it's kind of funny too, how it's never like the script that I want to sell. Like I heard this happen. It's a common thing I always heard before I started in this. And now I realize that it's true. So I'll have this, I'll have this script that I really love. Like I'm it's good, guaranteed going to sell. I'll pitch it to someone. They're like, eh, you know, I'm not interested, but, um, do you have anything else? And they'll be like, well, I got this you know, other project. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm interested in that one. And, you know, um, you never know what's going to sell. Like I just recently wrote a romantic comedy, a Christmas romantic comedy, which is definitely not my genre. And yeah, lo and behold, uh, you know, it sells like all within like, you know, a week or two um, to a company in the UK. And I was like, wow, I did not expect that. I thought I just did it as, you know, it's like, yeah, I may as well try writing a different right. genre. Yeah, yeah. And then some of my horror ones, it's like, I, you know, people love this particular script and just can't find anyone to produce it. And but then again, some of them like the gray house, you know, I had it for like, you know, a few years and just no one was interested. And then all of a sudden I pitch it to one guy in LA, he freaking loves it and uh, optioned it. So, um, wow. It, it's, it's such a different, cause it's not like a normal job where you get paid every second Friday. It's like, you can write something and then not get paid for it for several years. If ever, right. um, for sure. something else might, you might write it and it sells like the day after you write it. it you just kind of never know. And sometimes I'll go like four months with no income um, just because nothing's selling. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to get a job. And, and then all of a sudden I'll sell something and say, like, okay, I'm good for another few months. And, you know, and then I'll sell a whole bunch at once. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it can be kind of stressful and it's not for everyone, but I mean, if this is your dream, you can definitely do it. And you know, I've, I've been on other podcasts where I've explained in greater details of exactly kind of how I did it. So, I mean, just listen to what I did and, you know, copy the formula if you want and do the same thing. What's that podcast? I was on the um, Selling Your Screenplay podcast oh, cool. uh, with Ashley Scott Myers, which is funny, funny. When I first started doing this, I listened to like all his early episodes where he explained how he got started. And then I was like, I'm just going to copy that. I'm just going to do exactly what he did. Right. Um, and I was like, I wonder if one day I'm going to be on this podcast. And sure enough, mm -hmm. like a few years later, um, him and I started talking. I got on the show and I was like, yeah, like I listened to your podcast, did exactly what you said. <laughs> And now awesome. I'm now I'm you know a professional screenwriter, so that's why I tell other people is, you know, it's not a big secret. You know, there's a, it's not really a who you know thing. It's just basically work your ass off and you know just pitch your scripts and get better all the time, and you know, um, you you can make it happen too. That's awesome. Well, I uh, I'd love to dive into uh, into Hotbox. I mean, I want to I want to know more about that whole process. But um, I, I it's on it's on Amazon Prime right now. If, if you're if you're looking for it, and I uh, I enjoyed it on Amazon Prime uh, last night and uh, had a blast watching it. I'm from Edmonton, so I, I recognized a few faces, um, and uh, and it was yeah, it was super cool. So so how did it come about? Give us the give us the genesis of it. I was, I was looking to, uh, for a way to do like a very low budget movie. Um, I'd done my feature cold comfort. We'd shot before that. Um, it's just kind of the way things out. It's still with the distributor. It hasn't been released yet. So it's going to probably be my second feature 
um, released, even though it was my first shot. But after doing that, Cold Comfort was basically one person locked in a room. So I wanted to do something a little bit bigger, but it was still very contained. Um, so I kind of came up with the concept of maybe the whole thing could take place in a car. And it's just a car at a party. People go there to smoke weed and all this drama happens in and around the car. And as I started working on it, um, I was kind of like, well, maybe we could show a little bit of what's happening inside the house. And then as it, it just kind of morphed into, I was like, well, it ended up being mostly in the house um, and, you know, and some in the car. And, you know, I just kind of came up with funny storylines and uh, I had a list of like a whole bunch of them. And I kind of just picked the top kind of seven or so funniest ones. Um, and then I just, you know, worked out the stories, figured out how they're going to kind of intersect. And, um, you know, I had a pretty good crew at that point. I knew a lot of people. So we just, you know, kind of got the team together and we, the house that we found was actually where we shot called Comfort. Um, like, you know, that the red room in the uh, pop box, that room that's like, it's all lit red. Yeah, we shot the entire movie, uh, well, pretty much the entire movie of Cold Comfort inside that room. Oh, cool! So I kind of already knew of the location, and I knew that the you know this it's a house owned by the the city of Edmonton, and they were willing to rent it to us. So I was like, okay, well, let's use that house as the party house because it's still you know, freaking huge. And yeah, and it was just a matter of making it happen. And uh, you know, we had some producers that you know kind of backed out after a while because they you know they didn't really believe it was going to happen, and we were going to shoot in. Uh, uh, September 2018 and can't really remember what happened but you know we didn't have enough money or something we ended up having to postpone it till November and so some people were kind of like ah you know it's not going to happen and I was like no man I'm going to make it happen just through you know sheer force of will and sure enough we did we just shot it and it was cold some days and you know kind of some things went wrong but for the most part it was just like amazingly well executed movie and it was it was like a blast to work on so cool. So that was, I was wondering about the house in particular, because, uh, it's, it's obviously a unique, um, and vital location, uh, the only location in the film. So what's the story behind the house? How did it end up in the city's hands? Um, basically the story I heard was that someone, someone was building it and they were kind of like 90% finished building it, but then the city wanted to rezone that area for whatever reason. So they bought it off of that person and they abandoned it. They basically took their money huh. and left. So the house is almost finished, but you can even tell if you look in the movie closely, it's, you know, not all finished. Right. Um, it has power, but there's no running water. Um, and so basically it's just sitting there doing nothing. So when, you know, there's no point in that. Oh, that's also, if you notice in the, in the garage in the movie, there's all those uh, refrigerators yeah, and, and, and yeah. Uh, ovens. Yeah, because uh, I guess city the city uses it to store stuff from other places. That's why those were there. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically they just they were nice enough. They rented it to us, and um, you know we had to get a porta potty that you can see in the movie because um, uh, you know there's no running water in the place, and right. um, so that wasn't very comfortable. But, um, but yeah, the, they were great to to be able to let us do that. And you know it's it's kind of out uh, near Fort Saskatchewan, so it's kind of like basically the road that it's on is where the sign is that says welcome to Edmonton. So it's kind of like right on the very edge of the, the city. I guess it's a, it's a huge cast. Um, and tell us about that, like how, what that was like, especially shooting it so tight. Like to me, the organization of it seems like it was pretty crazy to pull off. Um, yeah, it was, I think we had 58 speaking roles plus, yeah, sure. um, plus however many extras. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Considering Cold Comfort, the one we did before, was m pretty much one actor. Um, we shot some more scenes later on, but I think it was a cast of like six or something. Very small. 
So yeah. this was complete opposite, way more than ever, ever dealt with. Um, I have to basically give you know kudos to uh, Grace Kinley, our first AD, because she's the one that kind of organized everything. And you know, especially when um, you know most actors, you know, they have day jobs and stuff and family, yeah. so just trying to work it around. You know, some people are only available in the evenings, some are only available on weekends, some can only do mornings, and so you're it's like, okay, well, you have a scene with someone that can't work weekends, and you know, just trying to juggle that out. Well, the only time that they can do that scene together is uh, Monday morning, and you know. There was so many just you know ins and outs of trying to get all that to work and um, and uh, yeah it, it wasn't easy I, I was I was even thinking like before we started shooting like, there's no way we could pull this off like it's just way too many people and but it's like no we made it work and um, you know we everyone showed up for their parts and you know there was no stress like that and the cast was amazing and uh, you know even just the whole casting process was uh, just a lot of work because you know there's a lot of good actors and. It's kind of like you want everyone, and um, you know, and there were some people too that when we auditioned, uh, like my co-producers uh, Julie Whalen and, and Lindsay Christopher, you know, there'd be someone that they liked um, for a part, but I didn't, or vice versa, and and some of the people we cast weren't they weren't even my first choice because um, it's just not how I saw the the person in the role. Right, but now that yeah. the movie's out, it's like oh, I can't even imagine someone else playing that part, right? It's kind right. of like once you see it, it's like everyone's perfect, but yeah. Um, my, my favorite, uh, my, my favorite trivia here was, was this line that you sent us. Uh, you said the budget was raised through crowdfunding, private donations, and the sale of hot box pipes and bongs. Um, I just find that so love, lovely. Like, yeah, that, it was that, awesome. You know, it's just such um, an authentic movie. Like even the financing is, <laughs> is on point. Yeah. Like, um, Alex Gallant, who's a, a local actor, um, he has a company and they kind of make stuff like that. So he donated us like um, a whole bunch of bongs and pipes that have the hot box logo on it. And, you know, very nice of them. And you know, I was thinking, oh, he'd give us a few of them, but he gave us a box. It was like 75 or some crazy thing. And, you know, so we just start selling these things and, um, and basically, yeah, just, we did crowdfunding and just like everything we could do just to raise money. And even when we were shooting, we didn't even really have enough money to finish it. And I was like, oh man, this is like, <laughs> you know, kind of stressful. How are we going to get this movie out there? But as it was going, people kind of draw a lot of attention and people started giving us money as we were going just to kind of be a part of it. And amazingly enough, we were able to, to finish it. That's fantastic. Congrats, man. That's, you know, every, every movie is a miracle. Um, and so just the fact that it exists deserves congrats. And, um, you know, the fact that it's good is even makes me more jealous. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's just a testament to, being able to make something regardless of what we have. Um, you know, the car was yeah. donated to us by Steve Sang, who was like awesome enough to let us park it there for a few weeks. You know, the house is donated. All the furniture, like the house was completely empty. All the furniture in there was all from the casting crew. We had to brought our own right. furniture. We also put out an ad on uh, Facebook that, you know, if you have furniture you're looking to get rid of, we'll come we'll take come it take from it. you and get rid of it. Yeah. So we had all this furniture that we put in the house and then afterwards we took it to the dump or to Goodwill or whatever. And um, so just everyone kind of came together like that. All the props, everything was just stuff that people brought in to, to donate. And uh, so everyone is very, very kind in that respect. Um, and yeah, I would imagine the same is true about music because music was a big part of it. And I, I saw in the credits, you, you know, you give a lot of credit to musicians. I, I assume these were donated pieces of music. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we just put out an announcement that we're looking for uh, 
local, like if it was Edmonton or Alberta bands um, willing to give us a song. And yeah, we had a huge, you know, large number of people donate, uh, willing to donate songs. We kind of picked the ones that would work. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're great to do that. It's just like, it was such like a feel good thing, right. That everyone just kind of like came together to make it happen. Cause you know, if this was Hollywood, you know, we need like, you know, millions of dollars to do it. And it would, would have not happened. So everyone was just like, yeah, I'm willing to just, you know, come out, work on it and donate this just to make it happen. And uh, it's kind of stirred up a lot of attention. So I think it's a, uh, it's going to work out well for people and, you know, maybe we'll be lucky in the film. We'll actually make some sort of profit and then we could do a, a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am curious about just, just based on the subject matter, uh, did, you know, did you, did you say to the city, Hey, you know, this movie's called hot box. Is it like, were they, that didn't bother them or anything? I, I, that's always a good never It never really came up. Um, All right. All right. I, w- I was kind of worried that because it was funny too, like on on set where like you know no smoking on set, you have to go outside, you know that's normal. Right. But it's like, but at the same time, we're smoking constantly. You know, it wasn't real marijuana, but it was we're smoking inside. Um, right. But it's funny the guy from the city who rented the house to us came to the premiere. Oh, nice. um, and I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be like, what the hell did you do to my house? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he was just like, awesome movie, man, and he's kind of become a big supporter and. Uh, oh, you know, so um, so that was never an issue. I have run into, you know, especially recently now that we're promoting it, there is kind of a backlash I wasn't expecting. Like on Facebook, we tried to, um, um, the the distributor tried to um, advertise like the Hotbox trailer and right. uh, like paid advertising. And then they wouldn't allow it because of the subject matter. It's like, oh, it oh. promotes illegal activity. So he tried to appeal it. And they freaking like banned him from Facebook for three days. <laughs> and I was like, what? Um, and I contacted the, um, the, um, Nate, cause I, you know, I went to Nate. So I contacted the, uh, the tech life magazine, which is Nate's magazine. Okay. Uh, they've done like articles on me before of stuff I'm doing. And so I told them about this and they were like, well, we, you know, we can't, we can't do anything because of the subject matter. Hope you understand. And I was like, how is this like mm-hmm. so offensive? You know, my other movies have people being freaking <laughs> murdered and all this other <laughs> yeah. stuff, but oh, you yeah. smoke a joint and all of a sudden it's, you know, freaking. Which is legal. Yeah, which is legal. Yeah, which is legal. Yeah, which is I know, legal, which is, yeah. You should have um, just said it was a political ad. I think that would have been fine. Yeah. So yeah, it's. It yeah, you can get away with anything when you do that. But yeah. it, I guess in a way, too, it's kind of like, well, it is an underground movie, right? It's kind of like as soon as you, you know, people try to silence you, it kind of almost draws you more attention. Right. right? Totally. So yeah. People want to see what they. They're not supposed to see. And of course, after watching it, it's like, it's not a bad movie at all. There's like, I mean, other than the drug use, like it's still a, a positive movie. Like it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not a movie that should be banned. It's, you know, it's hilarious. It's kind of lighthearted and, right. you know, it's funny. So, it you know, it doesn't deserve the negative attention. But at the same time, I'll just take it with a grain of salt. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the movie Facebook doesn't want you to see, you know, I could almost prom- promote it like that and get some attention. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, you got to so, lean into kind of every opportunity, right? Oh yeah. Something that uh, something that you know, a lot of like super super micro budget budget movies um, face is that once they're done shooting, maybe even once they're done editing, um, and they really want to put it out into the world, there are a whole bunch of things involved um, that are expensive that a distributor usually wants. Um, and that you wouldn't necessarily think about. Um, and I see that on prime, it's got, for example, captions, um, 
you know, this is, this is work that usually a distributor requires. Can you talk about what that process was like for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is like on like my first kind of real time dealing with a distributor too. Right. So I'm still learning that process. Um, and there's, uh, we, we just ran into some trouble where, um, like most of the people, the distributors we pitched it to were like, yo, it looks good. Like, it's funny. It's just, you know, it's a comedy with no famous people in it. So, it, you know, like it's a hard sell, you know, it's got no, um, a list yeah. cast. Right. Um, but finally, you know, we found someone willing to take a chance on us and they liked the movie and yeah. And it came down, there was just, you know, so many things you had to do. And part of it was the money, you know, like closed captioning made to pay for that. It wasn't too bad. It's just, you know, we've long since run out of money for the project. So basically that comes directly out of my pocket. Um, and there's just a lot of just other little things too, you know, summaries and all that stuff and just, you know, music cue sheet and just things that I didn't know how to do and I had to figure right. out how to do and then get done. And, you know, just, you know, it was just kind of one little pain in the ass after another to get all this stuff. Um, but now that I know about it, now I know what to expect for, you know, the next time it's like, I know I'm going to need this. So I'm going to get it done, you know, during post-production yeah, go, yeah. six months later. Yeah. Um, so was the process literally like the, the distributor said, here's our list of deliverables. And then yeah. you, you were just like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And wow. it's just, you know, like the easy ones I would just do first and other things I'd be like, okay, I don't know how to do that. And I'd ask someone, how do you do this? And right. they'd either do it for me or tell me how to do it. And, right. um, yeah, and there's just like so many, just little things that like, now that I know, you know, it's, it seems so easy, but it's like, when you don't know anything, it's like, it's just daunting. It's like, oh my right. God, here's another list of things I got to do. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's, it can be frustrating, but you just work at it constantly and, you know, get it done. And, and like the premiere for Hotbox, I think was last April. So pretty much a year ago. So it took a year basically from the movie premiering to actually getting out to the world. Uh, right, right. It just, you know, it was a lot of pitching and, and even once kind of Amazon was interested, there was just lots of delays on it. And, you know, it was just, you know, one thing after another, some reason to like put it off a little bit longer. And right. um, we actually kind of lucked out though, because at first they told us it was only going to be in, in the U- UK and, and, the, and the US which I heard is quite standard. And I've actually even written other films that have been produced that, you know, you can't even really watch them in Canada because it's only available in the U S and, you know, if it's successful after a while, it'll come out in Canada and, you know, Australia and all that. Um, And that's what they told us too. But then a week or two later, they said, okay, they changed their mind and they're actually going to release us um, basically like in 60 different countries. Um, Wow. It's quite surprising. Um, and even, you know, some other filmmakers are like, you know, dude, how, like, how the hell did you, you, you get that? And I was like, well, I don't know, the decision they made on their end, we didn't really do anything. So, which is good because instead of being, you know, promoting it and being like, sorry, everyone involved in the movie, you can't watch it because <laughs> it's not available <laughs> in your country. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone could watch it from day one, which is great because, you know, we've been getting a lot of people watching and uh, a lot of good response from it. That's awesome. So what's next for you? Um, I'm writing a whole ton, which is kind of weird ever since the lockdown thing. All of a sudden my writing has like gotten way busier. Um, cause I think people are trying to get projects ready to shoot once the lockdown is lifted. So yeah, I've been hired to write quite a few things that I'm kind of rushing to need deadlines for. And I'm writing another, um, found footage. I did my found footage, uh, I'm haunted, which is like a kind of a web series that I'm going to be turning into a feature. Um, I'm doing another one of those is because I can do them, you know, if I shoot it on a phone and stuff, I can do it basically for dirt cheap. So I got another one of those in the works that I want to start shooting as soon as we're, you know, allowed to go outside. Yeah. Um, 
cold comfort is like we're it's been i think like two years or something it's been with a distributor and we're finally getting down to like the last final details so we're hoping that that's going to be um released very soon and um yeah i got some more short horror films that should be coming out pretty soon um we did a we shot a pilot, um, a comedy half-hour pilot called Hancock's. Uh, we just finished shooting it a, you know, a few days before the, the lockdown. So we lucked out there. So that'll be coming out at some point. So, yeah, I got a lot of uh, things, some comic books, too. So, yeah, a whole lot of, whole lot of stuff coming out. A lot out. of irons in the fire. <clears throat> yep. I've been interested lately in the uh, kind of the cycle of, of a creative you know, type of person. And I'm, I'm wondering... Has, you know, having gone through the feature actual production process, you know, and then thinking of yourself as more of a screenwriter, how has making Hotbox changed how you write screenplays if it has? What would you say? Oh, yeah, it's helped a lot. Like even for writers, like I would recommend trying to direct something at least once and it changes everything because, you know, instead of it just being it's almost like, you know, it's magical words on paper, you know, it's like. Well, no, like eventually someone's going to have to film what, what, what's on right. this page. Yeah. Kind of once you know those things, all of a sudden I learn little tricks and I'm like, you know, I can just change little things. And especially if I know kind of what the budget's going to be, I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this because it's going to be too much. So I'll cheat it a little bit just to cut out, like to make it, um, you know, a lower budget. Because, you know, producer's going to read that and be like, oh, okay, we can do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you just learn little tricks and you also learn what works and what doesn't. You know, there was a lot of stuff that, um, when I wrote it in the hotbox script, I thought it was funny. Um, and then when we filmed it, it's like, yeah, that's not, not that funny. Stop playing, um, right? yeah, so yeah. we ended up cutting it out. So you kind of just yeah. learn things that, um, you know, it's like what's on paper isn't always what's on screen. And so, yeah, it's, it's great to learn that kind of stuff. And the more you direct, you become a better writer and yeah. kind of the more you write, the better you be, to become a director. And so it's, you know, just learning more skills is always going to be beneficial. Yeah. To me, it was, it's just the, the knowledge that, <laughs> every word you put on that page is going to have a price tag attached to it in some yeah. way. And, uh, yeah, and I found yeah, too just, that sometimes producers take it literally, like I'll put something in the yeah. script and then they'll be like, well, you know, that one part, like that's going to be way too expensive. And it's like, man, that, like, that can be easily changed. Like you don't have to do it. It's because in the script. You could just cut that part out or change right. it to something yeah. cheaper. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes producers will be, I'll write a script and they'll be like, yeah, we're just going to have to like cut out like, you know, 500,000, dollars worth of stuff from the script so i'm like okay, i don't even really know what that means but i kind of do and yeah. so i'll be like okay you all know, this like the part where the car is on fire i'll get rid of that you know right um change it to something else like and, a trash uh, can or something on fire yeah yeah <laughs> just like basically and i kind of learn what's going to be easy and, and what's going to be hard to shoot and yeah. and there's some things too that uh it's like it seems like it'd be hard but you can actually you know with um, video effects you can do it quite easily so you can you know basically fake that the budget's bigger than it is and uh little tricks like that but um but yeah writing hotbox i knew i was filming it myself so i, I made sure that as i was writing everything is going to be shootable um anything that was going to be too hard we just you know wouldn't be able to pull off uh, on our yeah, schedule yeah. so i i made sure to work that in as i was writing it's fantastic man yeah i like that thinking a lot well awesome man this is uh this has been really cool and congratulations um where can people find out more about you or see the film or, or any links you want to share? Uh, yeah. Hotbox is the best place to see it now is uh, Amazon prime. It's going to be on uh, Tubi and a bunch of other, um, of those kinds of uh, streaming platforms in the coming weeks or months. 
Um, so we'll be announcing those as they happen. Um, there is a hot box Facebook page that you can check out. It's got some you know pictures and stuff from that. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram and all those. If you just look up my name, Brandon Rhinus, I'm, I'm on there and feel free, you know, if you watch the movie and you like it, feel free to, you know, leave a rating and even a review on IMDb. Um, I know people kind of read those sometimes and, you know, yeah, that's sort of feedback would be wonderful to have. It doesn't have to be positive, but it would be better if it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just, yeah, even if you want to just message me, I'm getting a lot of people posting about it on Facebook or just sending me, you know, private messages telling me that they, they love the movie. So I'm, I'm hoping it entertains a lot of people, especially in these kind of, you know, negative times. Uh, now is the perfect time to watch something uh, funny and kind of get your mind off of uh, the world mm. for an hour and a half. <laughs> so true. Well, thanks, man. Uh, this has been really cool. And, uh, and yeah, I would encourage everybody to go check it out uh, right now on Amazon Prime. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 